1: Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Deney. This
2: is Gas Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp and you're listening to the big interview with Graham Hunter.
3: Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed plus lots of bonus content including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly q a you will also get bonus content every month including the audio versions of my regular columns for espn so do please go to patreon.com forward slash graham hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so maybe even strangers in the street love you
1: From Backpage, I'm Neil White, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. This is um, a follow-on from one of our monthly Q&A shows. We got so many great questions from our socios at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter, but one in particular sparked so much debate that we thought we would separate it out to this special show. So thank you, first of all, to Meryn Myrtle, our socio Meryn Myrtle, who sent in the following question. Do you think time has brought or will bring more respect to Madrid's three-peat team? I've never forgiven one journalist, no names here, for saying they didn't deserve to be the team that held that record because they played awful football. I think people criticised them for not being what they expected, a smooth, dominant machine, and it blinded them to their strengths, their adaptability. Their ability to absorb pressure before striking. They were criticised for not being a Pep Guardiola team when they should have been looked at as a gritty Sir Alex Ferguson type. As a fan, I feel like that team was oddly misunderstood. So for the next wee while, Graeme Hunter, our host for the Big Interview, and Pete Jensen, our special guest for these Q and A shows, are going to see what they think of Maren's proposition there. And Pete, if I can start with you, what do you think the General public perception of that team Zeran's Madrid team that won three consecutive Champions League titles is if we family fortuned this and asked 100 viewers what do you think they would
2: say about that team I think she's right that that, that they're not seen in the same light even as the Barcelona team that only won two out of the three three years it didn't repeat the feat of you know winning three on, on the bounce but I'd argue that, in many ways, it's the club's fault. it's Real Madrid's four, um, because they didn't seem to, to value it either. I mean, whenever there's talk of Zinedine Zidane being three jobs from the sack, no-one at Real Madrid ever comes out and says, are you serious? This man's unsackable. He goes when he wants to go. He won three Champions Leagues on the bounce. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo was never really properly appreciated by the supporters in the Santiago Bernabeu. They were still singing Ronaldo's name at Old Trafford long after he'd gone. They, 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 re- they barely sung it at the Bernabeu when he was at the club. Um, and to not just put the blame on, on the supporters and on the club, you could also put it on the players themselves because on the night in Kiev when they make it three out of three and all the post-match interviews should have been the players talking about this incredible achievement, what did you get? You got Cristiano Ronaldo saying, um, I'm going to leave, um, and completely rewriting all the, all the headlines and, and setting a new agenda for Zidane's press conference, which Zidane wasn't very happy about. And then the next person interviewed after Ronaldo is Bale, and, and Bale also says, if I'm not in the team more, I'm going to leave. So in many ways, it's the club's own fault. They, they didn't make of it what they should have made of it, this incredible achievement of winning three uh, straight European Cups.
3: Real Madrid seemed to me to be such a, a polemic team. I'm not certain that Barcelona inspire quite... The, the division that Barcelona, particularly the modern Barcelona, inspire is of a different nature. And there, if we surveyed 100 viewers, there's so many people that think that Madrid are... Pompous and arrogant There are so many who think That they still get state favours And therefore that's why they're winning There are a lot of people Who don't necessarily appreciate um, Florentino Perez And This wouldn't be a worldwide point of view But domestically There's there's still an awful lot of Stuff said about them Well they, they they get the rub of the green With every refereeing decision Which isn't true and I think that bleeds into these aren't the main themes to, to answer Meryn's point about appreciation of, of real Madrid, and we're going we're about to go into more deeply why it might be that um, the, the three P is an unloved child, if it is. But I think what I liked most about what Meryn said was perception, uh, because there is a perception that somehow they stumbled their way to to all three of them. By the time they come to the first of the three-peat, they've been awful for half a season, absolutely awful. They've got Rafa Benitez in, it's been a bad appointment because it's not working for him, it's not working for the fans, it's not working for the club, it's not working for the media. They get pumped four 0 by Barcelona at home and, and they're getting roasted so badly by their own fans that, that, that the stadium announcer gets a, a message from, from Rafa Benitez a little bit like Doc Cotton in in in, in line of duty, it's like urgent removal needed, and and the, and the volume of the PA goes up, and you get Slade and Kylie Minogue played at, at you know ear shattering volumes, so that the TV broadcast can't carry the Florentino de Mission chance, and the end of that season to win the Champions League. So um, the the ability to, to to take that first step in the most ridiculous circumstances. And then do it again twice more. That's where I want to link with Meryn and say that um, I, will, you know, I will go to the end of my career defending that that is an extraordinary achievement in personal terms. There's not massive alteration of the squad. It's Zidane the coach each time. Um, there are blips. There are, they're not unblemished, the, the, any of the three triumphs. But I massively agree that one, it's underappreciated and underestimated. And two, I would strongly go on the front foot to be aggressively attacking people who want to talk it down. So oh, it's only Madrid, Madrid, blah, blah. blah.
1: Okay, well, let's get into a little bit of detail. Can we start by doing a little bit of backpedaling to the start of this all the summer of 2015? Rafa Benitez is the new manager of Real Madrid. Can you give maybe um, those amongst us? whose memories have been pandemically fatigued and, and can't stretch back six years what was the role of Zinedine Zidane how would you best define it at Real Madrid around about that time because we're going to look at a squad that remains remarkably consistent and even a, even a team selection that remains remarkably consistent over these three Champions League seasons.
3: Pete, Pete will know the French word for flipper to gibbet uh, over to you Pete so this is what what Zidane's doing when Benitez takes over. The point is, he's a butterfly. He's a he's a butterfly in that club, because at that stage you'd agree with this. Pete, I think, spent more time nearer to Madrid in that era that, than I did. But if you if you caught a glimpse of Zidane, in a one minute he'd be ambassador, the next minute he'd be sporting director, and he's he's directly responsible. For a handful of signings, but probably the two key ones that you can talk about that Stan becomes responsible for was when Isco is signed. Um, Florentino goes in public and says, "Well, there's no place for Isco in the starting eleven for my team." He says that in public, and Stan goes, "Listen, boss, sorry, sit down, shut up, give me your money." Isco signed, and the other one is. Um, Again, recently I interviewed um, Varane through at Valdebebas and he was like, you know, the queue of teams that wanted me from loans was unbelievable. We all know that Manchester United were trying their butts off, but there was literally a 6-7 top team queue waiting for this breakthrough kid. And Stan phoned him. And Varane cracked himself. He was like, sorry, sorry can't speak to him. my homework and hung up. <laughs> Went and told his brother and said, um, "Anthony um, and just what did you say to himself?" Because I told him I couldn't speak. <laughs> and Zidane didn't take the half, and called him back the next day and said, "Listen, listen, son, it's you." And that's a, a lighthearted way of 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 pointing out that Zidane's first role was was as as um, what would you call? Camp- not campaign manager. The campaign icon, when Ramon, Calder, uh, Ramon Calderon was still the president and Florentino wanted to get back in. He, he had a he had a photo op, I think I think in Morocco, where it, he was flanked by Ronaldo and by Zidane. And, of course, the Madrid papers were able to say the president's coming back. And in due course, he, he, he won a very fraught and very noisy election, from which point Zidane became an ambassador for Real Madrid. Then he became sports director. Then he became um, assistant coach in in that in that Ancelotti setup, um, which was the, the the 2014 season, right, Pete? Because there was Paul Clem. You and I spent, I think, you and I watched them. I mean, this isn't the season that's in in question, Neil. So apologies about this, but you you and I were at Espanol Real Madrid um, one night, I think, in the cup. At any rate, it was mid season and um, it was Clement and Ancelotti it was, Clement stopped and had a brief, brief word with us in the mix zone it was just a time when um, I'm sure under Ancelotti's idea rather than assistant coach Zidane's idea they changed the side to put Di Maria back into midfield and that meant that they could do Cristiano and Benzema and, and Bale up front and and that became a you know a winning proposition and um, Zidane was assistant coach and in, in the big interview Neil, you, you heard Paul Clement saying that it, it, on the on the lead up to the big day in Lisbon against Atleti, um, Zidane had a specific role that was completely handed to him by Ancelotti. So by the time we come to the the potential for um, well, by the time we come to Benitez before there's a, a switch mid season, Zidane is is would largely be regarded as somebody who was irrespective of job title, which at that stage was pretty much sporting director. He was he was a resource. He he was like the Gollum's ring, you know, for Florentino. Yeah, if, there's a, if there's a bit of a tough time going on, reach for the ring. Where's Zizu? Counsel, knowledge, contacts, presence, iconic status, all of these things. They, that's, as that's Stevie Wonder would say, that's what Zizou means to me.
1: During that summer of 2015, there's some really serious business done that's going to affect all three parts of this story. Uh, they activate the buyback clause in Casemiro's contract at Porto. Uh, Carvajal is extended, Ramos is extended, Pepe is extended. And although he's been here for a year, this is also the summer that uh Keila Navas takes his sort of first steps towards being the immovable goalkeeper for this three-peat do you associate all of that business like how much of that do you think Zidane's fingerprints are on what level of kind of authorship has he got not just on the games but on that kind of construction of the team
2: I think we have to remember that the team did need to be reconstructed after um, after they won it in, in, in 2014 because Florentino Perez, in his wisdom, decided to pretty much rip that team up. I mean, any other club in the world after winning the Champions League against, uh, you know, against Atletico Madrid as they did and in such style, 4-1, everyone would have pretty much stayed um, with the exception maybe of Chabi Alonso who who decided to move on. But um, Di Maria, who'd been man of the match in the final, wanted a pay rise. Florentino wasn't having any of that. So he was sold to Manchester United Um, And it did seem that that it was pretty much a case of Florentino sitting down, armchair, remote control in hand, watching the, the World Cup and picking out the best players. So they signed Tony Cruz, who had a brilliant tournament. Um, Kayla Navas was already very much on the radar because he'd been the, the, pretty much the best goalkeeper that season in La Liga but he did have a very good World Cup as well and Hamas Rodriguez scored that fantastic goal against Uruguay so Hamas Rodriguez comes in and they lose Di Maria and, and Graham's already touched on this Di Maria's legs were what made the 4-3-3 work you know you get you only get away with playing Bale, Benzema and Ronaldo that really top heavy team if you've got people that work in midfield and, and, and the work that Di Maria put in and, and it was never more so evident as in the final but he then goes so Ancelotti the following season has a difficult job in his hands because he then has to try and make Hamish Rodriguez the, the midfielder that Di Maria was and, and it wasn't possible Casemiro at this point is out um, at Porto on loan um, impressive for Julian Lopetegui how much credit should we give Zidane for the fact that Casemiro came back I think it was a bit of a no-brainer really um Yaramendi hadn't worked out. Um, Yaramendi was signed for £38 from Real Sociedad, one of the most bizarre signings um, in Real Madrid's recent history. Um, Never looked like a a Real Madrid player. And he had come to the end of his two-season spell. He went back to Real Sociedad. Chabi gone, uh, as we say. Um, So they needed somebody to play in that holding midfield position. And Casemiro had had done it brilliantly for, for Lopetegui. So... I think to give Zidane credit for that or even to give him credit for the fact that Ramos gets a new deal or Carvajal gets a new deal. Um, and as you say, Caelan Avers was there, um, but he very much becomes number one. So I'm not too sure that we can say the team that, that wins that wins the first of those Champions Leagues and then, then remains pretty much through the through the, the three-peats is a team built by Zidane. So the team that
1: wins the the first... Um, final. They've gone through Roma in the round of 16. They have a very tough um, and dramatic quarter final against Wolfsburg. In the semi final, they have a fairly turgid two ties
2: against Pellegrini's Manchester City, and the finals are a repeat of Lisbon. And this and the City game, it's there for the taking. Manchester City have got a nil nil in the first leg at home. They go to the come to the Bernabeu. It's a magnificent chance. Pellegrini to be the first coach to take Manchester City to a Champions League final. And on the night, they just freeze, and Gareth Bale gets the goal. It's not given to him, it's one of those ridiculous own goals where it really should be given to the strike, the attacking player, and it isn't given to him. But they squeeze through 1 0. But, you know, that is one of the many, you know, the tennis ball on the top of the net, and which way will it, will it fall moments. Um, but, you know, they, they get through it. Well, I like this idea of the tennis ball on top
1: of the net. And I think this is one of the knocks on this Madrid team, which is that a lot of the time they get the break on small margins. And that's definitely one. Um, You know, you can even point to the fact that by and large, they avoid serious injuries, especially at the business end of the season during these three years, which is why they have the consistency of selection when other teams around them don't. Um, I mean, once we get to the final of that first year, just that one game has got two or three um, moments where if the tennis ball lands on the other side of the net, the story is completely different. Graham?
3: I think that season, I think it's the least impressive of their three wins in football terms. But there's an argument that it's the most impressive pound for pound um, because they're, they're, not, they're not particularly good in the group stage. And I think it gets interesting. In Rome, they play really well my opinion, that was a classic European performance. When they go to Rome, they win 2-0. Zidane's been in charge for, I don't know, six or seven weeks. The team looked completely different. They pulverise Rome, they play on the break, they mix those two styles, and once they pinch their goals, there's no question that they're going to win. By the time the return comes, I think it's... it's, uh, an example, and there are several in this season, of of why people call this slightly stained. Because at home, while they win 2-0, they can go out. Spalletti's team is so clever on the break. Salah is through one-on-one, maybe four times, doesn't score. And they get the business done. My notes that I've taken here say Cristiano and Hamis score the goal. My memory tells me, I was working on that game that they were that, that Roma had had understood them had known how to play against them on the break that Roma did with a full stadium and 2-0 up were like right here's where we show our pomp this is where we answer our fans about always demolishing and scoring and Roma were like bosh okay off the ring bosh again and and that was that was one where you know the aggregate says 4-0 but really it should be about you know 4-3, four, 4-4 but it wasn't. And in in Wolfsburg, if you look at that game, they were atrocious. That wasn't like, "Ah, don't worry, this is one of Europe's big sides and home leg, they'll tonk them. Wolfsburg outran them, outworked them and Real Madrid looked disjointed, disinterested. They weren't really at it. It was a poor Wolfsburg side. I mean, genuinely not very impressive team. And... The margin could have been higher, but the performance margin was ugly, really ugly. And so in the return leg, um, Wolfsburg don't show up. And it's rare in the Champions League that you get that anymore. There's been a homogenisation of the majority of teams that play in the Champions League. Not the elite ones, but the ones that crop up again and again and again. They've become braver. They've got better study tools. They tr- Even the, the so-called slightly lesser teams play with bravery away from home, particularly playing on a side that thinks, you know, well, we need to be polarising, you know, fans are on a pat and therefore there's gaps. All of that happened, Wolfsburg ticking none of the boxes. And and again, it will go down in history as a Cristiano uh, knight because I think he gets all 3 for the 3-2, I think. Yeah, OK. And again, those who wished to, 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 to fuel Merrin's anger... We'll be able to do that off off the home leg against uh, Roma and the away leg against Wolfsburg. Which people want to say, footballers always say to us, "Yeah, but it's about who won." Critics, punters, particularly those who want to see, I am wowed by this side, I'm swept away by this side. will go, no, I'm not happy because. And then you both said, "I won't add to it." The the, two City games were just atrocious. You know, it's like wading through treacle porridge it was just horrible, and th- and then we come to Milan and um, Pete. I don't know what you thought of the Milan triumph, but uh, I can swear it was a good, it was a good, it was a good day out. Well, let's um, talk about that that final
1: and and some of those uh, some of those tennis balls, Pete. Because I mean, if ever a game kind of had this pendulum narrative, it was that one.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's the the Griezmann penalty, isn't it? Griezmann scores his penalty, and um, and Diego Simeone, you know, finally. Yeah, wins the, the, the Champions League with Atletico Madrid against Real Madrid, and, and, and the story becomes completely different. Graham talking about the run the up to that particular final, just, just uh, rewind a little bit. It's amazing to think that that shocking performance against Wolfsburg when they lose the first leg 2 0. The midfield that night is Modric, Cruz, and Casemiro. So, you know, we're talking 2016, um, five years ago. And those three not being particularly effective against um, you know an average Bundesliga side, so how they've just gone on and, and got better and better and better. But anyway, back to back back to the final. I thought I thought Bale was was terrific that night, right up to hobbling up to his penalty and scoring it. But but as you say, Benz um, gets the scores penalt- the penalty, and, and it's it's a completely different story. And Atletico Madrid. I think I talk to most of their talk to the players and, and the memories that they have of that night. Um, and I spoke to F- um, Felipe Luis recently, and, and he says, as they all say, they were better and they deserved to win. And and that was the the final that really hurt because in the first one they they probably were outplayed, certainly outplayed in extra time. Um, and it was little wonder that Simeone pretty much. Um, Threw his hand in in the press conference after the game, and and you know said, I- "I'm I'm getting out of here." Of course, he he backpedalled afterwards, but it was the it was having come so close, and it was having had it was having had been better than Madrid, and and and, and still lost.
1: Griezmann's penalty in during the game comes back off the underside of the bar, um, but not in his favour. And then in the penalty shootout that decides that first final of the 3 um Madrid are perfect from the spot and number four for Atleti um, is Juan Fran and his penalty hits. Navis's right-hand post. So it's a game of fine margins.
3: But, but Griezmann having scored in the shootout, you know, and so I interviewed him for Champions Journal and that, and he was like, you know, I win another six Champions League. You know, I win this season, which he didn't with Barcelona. And he said, I'll never, ever get rid of the pain of hitting the bar there. I don't know why I did it, blah, blah, blah. And I said, did it. Did it? You it, take the spine out of your what do you call that? Uh, the stone out of your shoe, whatever we call it, and the thorn out of your side. He was like, no. As soon as the penalty went in, it wasn't relief. It was me asking myself, why? Why didn't I? Why didn't I score the first time? Um, but Juan Fran was not the person you wanted to miss that penalty. What a guy!
2: In terms of him being the the the, the person who didn't deserve to to have to carry that around for the rest of his career, you mean? Yeah, I mean, it was as we've said, it was the it was the of the three Champions League successes. It was the the most uh, underwhelming run up to the final, and then they could easily have been beaten in the final. But it's that durability, um, and and it's Ronaldo always being there when when he was needed, never more so than with the hat trick against Wolfsburg, Um, and and Bale's contribution shouldn't be forgotten because um, you know he did get the goal, even though UEFA didn't give it to him against City. And he was, he was sensational in the final, even though he was on his last legs. Um, and we know he's a player who, throughout his career, has, has never... People have always looked upon him as someone who, who certainly won't play through the pain barrier. But he, he can barely walk to the spot, and um, he manages to, to get there and roll it past the keeper.
3: If I'm not making this up, Carvajal goes off in tears, not just injured, because off in tears... And uh, Lucas is in. and Lucas again. Like we won't spend a lot of time talking about Lucas across this. And there's a, I think by the time Cardiff comes along, I don't think Lucas even gets in the squad. But one of the things that, that categorises this era, this you called it three peat when you were when you're calling us to arms, uh, Neil. With that question, Zidane has always been able to call on backup players, call on players that know they're not in his first. 14. and almost without exception he's created some kind of environment that's led us, you and I, to talk about him in previous Q&As, social Q&As where we didn't have the benefit of Pete's Majesty as, as a player whisperer and he, he does do that he, he doesn't charm every player there are some who leave thinking that they, they haven't been given the, the best of uh, relationships with him including Bale but broadly, he gets more out of the detritus in his squad than other managers do. And that's, that's key in being able to, to win, win, win across three Champions Leagues.
1: And that's what we have time for today. Come back on Thursday for the conclusion of our discussion on Real Madrid's three-peat. The Beginner View is a back page production, editing by Charles McGarry, music by Beer Jacket. Thank you for listening. There'll be more
0: soon. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new custom spray five-in-one gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies,